Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. In this episode of Boss Files. You know, the truth is I've never met a woman who is not strong. It just doesn't exist, you know. It doesn't exist. Legendary fashion designer Diane von Furstenberg. Her iconic wrap dress shot her to stardom in the 1970s and landed her on the cover of Newsweek when she was just 29 years old. Today, she's embarking on what she calls her third act. It was inspired by her late mother, a Holocaust survivor, who defined strength for Diane. My mother always said to be a woman is an advantage. And when she referred to men, she always said, le pauvres, the poor ones, you know, but in a nice way, in an affectionate way. So I, I, that's the way I was raised. So I already kind of assumed that to be a woman was good. Plus, she tells us she didn't think she was beautiful when she was younger. How can that be? For DVF, this is anything but the end of her career. She's continuing to lead in the industry, embracing social media as she talks to her millennial consumers. Here's my conversation with Diane von Furstenberg. Diane von Furstenberg, thank you for being here. Thank you. Ahead of a big trip to Paris tonight, I yes, appreciate yes. you making the time. You are a legend in the world of fashion. And before we start, I have to share with our, with our listeners our, our moment yesterday. So I, I, for people listening, they won't know that I'm five and a half months pregnant. So therefore, every DVF dress that I tried on for this interview at home didn't fit. So I go down to your flagship store thinking, all right, I'm going to get something new. It'll fit for the rest of the pregnancy. I'll wear it for the interview. And you're standing there walking in. Is that normal that you're on the floor helping women? No, but I like to, you know, I also always like the pulse. So I, I, if I am in the office, I will stop a couple of times because it's always interesting. You well, know? you stayed there. I mean, you, first well, of all, you helped me pick out what you. looks good on me. But you helped all these other women walk Well, in. once I'm there, I may as well be useful. And then, you know, people always feel, oh, my God, blah, blah, take pictures, <laughs> you know. And, uh, but it's always, you know, the dialogue with the, with the consumer is, is always, you always learn. I mean, everything I learned, I learned there. You know, either at the factory, you know, when I first started, or with women, and uh, including myself. You know, because um, so how they wear your clothes, what they say, what works, what doesn't yeah, work. and what fits and what doesn't fit, and why and how and you call this Diane your your third act. Mm -hmm. What do you mean? Well, I mean uh, I am definitely in the autumn of my life, and so it is my third act. I mean I hope, I mean I hope it's going to be a long act, but I am in the third act, and I'm the kind of person who likes to project always, you know, ahead of time. And I always think that your life is three period. You have the development, mm -hmm. which I used to think when I was very young, well, I thought until 30. And then as I got older, I say, well, maybe 35 and sometimes maybe even 40, whatever. The, the development is really the first 30 years, 35 years of your life. And then you have 
enjoyment, which is, by the way, not necessarily the most enjoyable period, really. And then you have the last part of your life, which I think should be fulfillment, because it's a time that your children are grown, and most probably they are parents themselves. So you could see what you've done there. You've seen what you've done, the fruits of your work. So it's time of reflection. It's a time that you can look back and see you know, what you have done. And also you have something amazing that is called experience. You know? And uh, experience is not something you can explain. And the fact that you get to that age means that you actually made it. You know? So it's time that, in my case, I feel that I have a voice. I mean, everybody have a voice, but my voice happens to be wider because I've been around for so long and I've had so much, I've, I've, I've been speaking for so long to women of all, so many generations. So it's time that you know you want to use your voice for, and the voice of people that you know for people who have no voice. And it's the time to use all of that and weave it into a fabric of experience and compassion and more most important impact and to that end and impact which is clearly top of mind for you especially right now for women you've said your voice is a privilege you have a duty and you've said to help women be the woman they want to be without buying anything well I mean uh, I obviously I you know I I became the woman I wanted to be which is an independent woman, I became that woman because of a dress. And because of that dress, and because, that had, and because it was a dress, not only, not only I became the woman I wanted to be, but I shared that with other women to be the woman they wanted to be. And so really early on, I had this incredible dialogue with women. And it was the time of the liberation, you know, yeah. uh, women's liberation. And we were somewhere in the, in the moment between, you know, the pill and AIDS. It was a, a moment of liberation in so many ways. And I was, you know, uh, I got divorced and I was raising my kids and I was on my own and I was successful. So even without, you know, clearly without thinking about it, to so many women, I became like a role model. You know, oh, she could do it, I could do it you, too. You came here to New York City, you were 22 years old. You had married a German prince, for real, a prince, and you were expecting your first son. And you come with a, with a suitcase full of jersey dresses. I mean, this is your American dream. And you say sort of in jest, Diane, you know, becoming a princess is a detail. I don't even really like fairy tales. Your no, fairy what, tale what I always <laughs> say is that most fairy tales and with a girl marrying the prince, sure. right? Sure, yours began. In my I fairy tale, it began that way. And uh, uh, no, actually, strangely enough, I was very proud to. That was the time that Gloria Steinem came up and created Ms. Ms. And uh, and so I kind of gave up being a princess to be Ms. I mean, that was just the beginning. And that then, was the and beginning. And, uh, and then, of course, you know, when you go high so quickly and you go through, you know, you experience failures and difficulties. Of and, and so it's been a life, like every life, of roller coaster. Up, my, maybe mine were very, very high and then go down and up. And that's part of what life is. So today I look back and the most uh, clearly my 
the achievement I am most proud for is really is the family that I created. My son and my daughter, who are two incredible human beings, generous, not banal, intelligent, generous, uh, kind, fun, uh, all of that. And them themselves, you know, I have four grandchildren, and that is absolutely a, a wonderful thing. And then I had another child. I always said I had a son, a daughter, and DVF, right? The of business. Of course. And uh, and that child, oh, that child also went through all kind of crises and so on, and uh, and now it's it just went through a completely rebranding. Mm -hmm. I hired this very talented uh, Scottish designer, Jonathan Saunders, who came in and rebranded everything and the look and the logo and everything. And then at the same time, and so he's completely handling the, the, the creative part. And then at the same time, we are also living a complete disruption of the businesses. Every industry is completely being relooked at. And so my business, you know, I also have to face that, that my business also, I have to look at the business model and uh, turn certain things around. And that's what's happening right now, but right now it's in my head. And so and I'll come out. back later. <laughs> so we'll, we'll get to more of that in a moment. But before we do, you talk about family. I mean, your mother, you have in your most, most recent memoir, you, you talk a lot about her and you call her the most important in shaping my life and making me the woman that you really wanted to be. She's a Holocaust survivor. She was in, in Auschwitz. So my mother was uh, um, arrested in occupied Belgium. Uh, she was 22 years old, and it was late, late actually during the war. It was um, uh, May 1944. And she was shipped to Auschwitz, where she was in uh, forced labor. She was in forced la labor, and uh, she she went to that camp. And as it was the end of the world, they went from the Auschwitz to the you know through this famous um, death march to Ravensbrück, and then another camp, and then finally you know one day uh, it was all over and when she, she but she did survive and uh, she weighed 49 pounds which is less than her bones and uh, but she did survive and uh, so she and the funny thing is like years a few years ago I found the questionnaire the form you know the formula yeah. that she filled when uh, she when she was liberated and uh, it said you know names her name so name surname and it says um, state of health and even though she could barely move she wrote excellent health. Oh. and that to me is such an example of refusing to be a victim yeah. no matter what happened and that's something that she taught me she also taught me fear is not an option uh, and what she used to do, she, she always said to me, God saved me so that I can give you life. I mean, she's called you uh, her torch. Yes, I mean, you, I'm getting that. You kept she her said, alive. Yeah, she said, God saved me so that I can give you life. By giving you life, you gave me my life back. You are my torch of freedom. And it's funny that, um, you know, so that's what kind of... That's the heritage that I had in my hand as a little girl, which could be heavy, you know, it could be a big responsibility. 
And it's very funny that now at my age, with my mother telling me that I was her torch of freedom, I am now the godmother of the Statue of Liberty yes. because we're raising money to build a museum. So it's kind of the end of a cycle. Her, her, the three words that you use to describe your mother, independence, self-reliance, and freedom. Yes, my mother made me very independent, and she would not allow me to be afraid. Fear is not an option. So she did things that today she could be probably going to jail for. <laughs> like I mean, what? like uh, if I was afraid of the dark, she would yeah. lock me in the dark closet. <laughs> and, uh, and she was right, because after 10 minutes, you realize that there is no such thing as total dark. You know, you always find a little light. And you also know there is no reason to be afraid of the dark. And she clearly made you fearless. You land on the cover of Newsweek at 29 years old because your dress was so much more than a dress. It was a revolution right. for women and for independence and for grabbing hold of their femininity. I mean, here I am sitting today in 2017 wearing That's right. a wrap dress years that ago. landed you 40 years ago on the cover of Newsweek. What was that moment like? Because they dubbed you at the time, the most marketable woman since Coco Chanel. I know. You know, when these things happen to you, you don't really, uh, you re oh, Barry, I knew Barry, my who is Barry now my husband, Barry Diller. And, but at the time we had just met and we were madly in love and he did the most wonderful thing. He had somebody photograph newsstand all around New York in every kind of neighborhood. And when he gave it to me, I said, well, what about the rest of the world? Because the <laughs> Newsweek came out in five continents. And uh, so it's, it, it's, it's very nice, obviously. But the one thing that I do remember is that week, I went to Canada for a personal appearance, and I forgot I was going to Canada, and I did not have my passport. Okay. And so I went through because of the Newsweek. Oh, you just said, this really is yeah, me. Look, yeah. this is me. I don't know if that would work today, but no. good on you for doing that. <laughs> you, you, you often say that people say, I made the dress, but the dress made me. I think so. Really? Well, yes. That dress, I mean, that little nothing little dress made me everything. I mean, it paid for my children's education. It paid everything. It, it, it's, it's just one of those things. And to this day, I mean, I just can't believe it. I thought I was finished with it, you know, in the 80s when, you know, fashion became very big, big shoulders and things. And then in the 90s, I, at the late 90s, I started to see the hip young girls wearing, buying them in vintage shops. And that's when I started again. And there was a whole new generation going again. And now uh, there's another generation. So, Because you have always been in the fashion world, you have said, look, I didn't really experience the sexism that other women yes, experience yes, coming up. Yes. I feel somewhat similar uh, in, in media. Now, there is sexism in media. It happens in news. We know that. But I don't know what it is that I have always felt like I was in a very equal environment. But I'm interested for you, even 40 years ago, you never, I, you see, you never I, felt First of it. all, you have to understand that in my, my, in my house, being a woman 
was an advantage. My mother always said to be a woman is an advantage. And when she referred to men, she always said les pauvres, which the means poor. the poor ones, you know, but in a nice way, in an affectionate way. So I, I, that's the way I was raised. So I already kind of assumed that to be a woman was good. But, 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 uh, and also I went into, I working for myself, so I didn't have a boss or, or glass ceiling to, you know, to, to break. And I was also part of an industry that it's normal to have women at that. So all of that, and I got successful quickly and so on. But it's much more now that I realize how difficult, I mean, how difficult it can be. And now I make it my mission. Yeah. To, to empower women and to tell women that, you know, the truth is I've never met a woman who is not strong. It just doesn't exist, you know. It doesn't exist. But, so, you know, either a husband, a brother, a religion, circumstances, or some, very, very often the women themselves, you know, oh, they, you want to make the man feel big, oh, you don't want to overpower, oh, you know, it's normal, right? Because the woman wants to feel like she is need, I don't know what. And uh, so, but then imagine there's a tragedy. Who always takes over? Who always, you know, manages and the kids and the, this, uh, it's always a woman, you know. The woman is very, very active in the, in the, in the moment of survival. Yeah. And so I always say, you know, remember that you are strong before a tragedy. Mm. And then once you know you're strong, you don't have to show it right away. I mean, always, you know, you could keep it inside, but it's for yourself that you need that strength. It's for yourself that you need that insurance so that you can go, go for it without being arrogant, without appearing, um, you know, just impose, own it, own it, so own who you are. What is your view then of the, the world we are living in for women today in 2017? Uh, you so know, it's funny. Tonight, uh, this morning, in the, I woke up in the middle of the night and I saw that you have not had died. Yeah. And, uh, and so I immediately emailed her daughter because I'd met her da his daughter when she, she and I are the same age. And I remember we met like late 20s. We were both in our late 20s, early 30s. And I always thought, I wonder how it is to be you Hefner's daughter, you know? And she's absolutely wonderful, Christy. And, uh, but I was then looking back and I said, you know, the thing with you Hefner, yeah, he created Playboy and he had, you know, naked women on the cover, you know, everything. But he, he did, in a weird way, he did not objectify women. Actually, in a weird way, he really liked women. And, and respected them. It, it wasn't, you know, he was not like these other violent magazine that came after, like Hustler and whatever they were called, you know. It was very, very differently. I mean, it was about um, erotism, clearly, and all of that, but it wasn't about, you know, violent and, and making the woman smaller. If, if anything, he made the woman bigger. What about today in Silicon Valley, right? 
sexism is, is as we hear you know, these stories, is rampant. I mean, are we, yes, I guess I'm but asking, let me tell are you, we making uh, the progress that you hoped we no, would make? No, but, but then it goes in and out. First time I spoke at Google, I went to speak at Google. I do a lot of speaking yeah. engagement, and it's really fun for me. First time I spoke at Google, uh, I mean, Larry and, and uh, Larry, Larry, Larry Page and, Sir, and Sergey Brim were really young. I think they were like, I don't know, 29, 30. And they were kids and everybody. And I went to speak there. We could barely find a woman there, you know. They were, they, Marisa Meyer is the one who invited me and made me speak. But there were so few women. And, and you know, the category of nerds, you know, Silicon Valley was made out of nerds. And um, I, they, they really are not a sexist. It's just they are completely isolated from anything, you know. Um, so I think that is changing, and we have to make sure that that changes. But uh, and we have to send more women to engineering and more women to computer science and more girls to code and all of that. But um, it wasn't. I mean, girls didn't want to be scientists. Girls didn't want to be. You know, it, it, it that whole that well whole, that Diana, as you know, many people say, look, society hasn't done enough to encourage yes, women. Yes, but I mean, they. But you know that that wave of these nerds that became these incredible powerhouse and billionaires. Uh, you know, they. They all were little losers when they were young, you know. They were all, none of them thought they would be who they are. So it's a wave. So I feel like, look at Sherry Sandberg. Look at her. I mean, look at a lot of, I mean, there are women who are coming there. And, uh, and so that's why it's important to, to talk to young girls and also to talk to everybody and said, you know, the more loser you feel when you're young, the bigger chance the you are. The more successful you're yes. going to be when you're older. Up next on Boss Files, Diane von Furstenberg explains her mission to empower women through the DVF Awards. Plus, she opens up about her relationship with husband tech mogul Barry Dillon. Let's talk a little bit about the impact of Coco Chanel on your life. Well, what do you mean? I mean, I never thought that Coco Chanel was so important in my life until... Because many on the outside, I should clarify, have, have pointed to yes. similarities between the two and of then you and your I was trajectory. Going, I was going to say, I never thought of her that much until I started to read her biographies. And then I... I so relate to so many sides. And the first thing that I relate with is that at first in her life, she was a little girl, a little peasant girl that nobody paid attention to, and this and that. And then she decided to wear men's clothes and this and that. And she was extremely powerful, very, very young. Then there was the war and then, you know, questionable things about, you know, what happened to her during the war. And, uh, and then... And then she, uh, she started again at 73. So, I mean, and, and the, the son, you know, obviously, you know, what has happened to the brand that she left behind is just amazing. So even though I never really thought there were similarities, 
in my early life, I, I clearly they are. One of the things that you do now is focused on elevating and putting women whose name would not be known otherwise in the, spot, in the spotlight through the DVF Awards. I mean, you came on our show earlier this year. You talked about them. You know many people in many high places. But to you, it is important to celebrate and highlight those women who've done these extraordinary things who no one knows their name. No. What, what, um, the, the, the first women's organization I got involved with was Vital Voices. Vital Voices was originally created by Hillary Clinton when she was first lady. That was the first women's forum, women's forum in Beijing in 92, I think. And, uh, and it was women's leader from all over the world met in Beijing. And when we say women's leader, some women's leader is very small leader, but leaders. And it was apparently extraordinary and exciting. Human rights are women's rights, and, and women's rights are said, human rights. Exactly. And then when she left, she and her um, um, chief of staff, Milan Vervia, said, what do we do now? And that's when they created Vital Voices, which is an organization that invests in women and, say, and you know, improve the world. And I got involved in that organization. I got on the board. I designed their logo. I designed their mission statement. And I've been very involved in that. Then I, create, then I was very involved with Tina Brown for the Women in the World Conference. And I always, my son always encouraged me to do a DVF award. He said, you should do, you should have an award that you can give exposure and money to women and that will last after you. And I was very shy about it. So, but then when there was Women in the World happened, I said, okay, I will do it on the second night of Women in the World conference, which is what I've done. We have done eight years already. And, uh, and the mission of that is to highlight five women who have had the strength, you know, the, the, the strength to, to fight the courage to survive, and the leadership to inspire. And, uh, uh, um, you know, two women always come from the Vital Voices Network, and then there's women, a woman that, is, uh, um, that we select for women, and then we, 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 we make people vote online, because that not only gets people engaged from the outside, but I, I'm, I'm able to give to give exposure to five more women and one will win, you know, because they get the exposure. And then one, of course, for the, um, the um, uh, Lifetime Award. Last year was Jane Goodall. When you, were, when you were on with us in March talking about the awards, you said this, and I, I remembered it distinctly. You said, since I was a little girl, the women's movement got better and we had more rights. But I feel lately like certain things are being questioned. Yes. I mean, this whole approach, you know, this whole uh, parent, Planned Parenthood is, is just unbelievable that, that we question that. Uh, I mean, so many things that, that, we, we, that we fought for and that our children and grandchildren thought was normal are now being questioned. But I see that 
I'm very happy to see that in the young generation of my grand, granddaughters, for example, they are really activists and they're real proud to be feminists. Whereas a few years ago, the word feminist wasn't very much in fashion. People were almost embarrassed to be feminist. Why did it change and why now? You know, it's fashion. I mean, it's like everything else, you know. You're in and then all of a sudden it's not so nice and then just as about it, it comes back again. You know, we were, we were shopping for our daughter and I saw a little t-shirt that said feminist and I said oh we should get this for Sienna and my husband said no I think we should get it for our son who we're having and oh, that that's nice. that struck me so much that uh, that well you should, you should have it for both I should have it for both is the answer but Actually, it just one is the bigger one so the <laughs> one can wear it after her it, it struck me just that he said that that's though sweet. and that we need to be thinking about our, our men as feminists as that's, well that's right that's very sweet to say that one of the things you said to your daughter we have to make sure we don't lose our center I said that to everybody and most most of them most of all I said that to myself you know because I always say the most important, most important relationship in life is the one we have with ourselves. And, and we cannot lose ourselves. And it's very important because if you lose yourself, you have nothing. Have you lost yourself before? Sometimes. I mean, sometimes I, you know, sometimes you, no, I've never lost myself completely. No, not at all. So how would you then, if the most important relationship is the one we have with ourselves, how would you describe today as we sit here your relationship with yourself? Uh, okay, so I've had a long relationship with myself. I know myself really well. I am hard on myself, I'm demanding, but I also absolutely, totally enjoy my company. I trust her, I talk to her, and she's my best friend. I love that. You mentioned earlier how much this industry has changed, and it, it has been turned on its head, no question. I mean, flashback to your days of Andy Warhol photographing you in your DVF wrap dress, dancing at Studio 54, and, and you say, I'm happy that I was old enough to have danced in Studio 54 and young enough to have been part of the digital revolution. Yes. What has this digital revolution done to fashion? Well, the digital revolution is the biggest revolution I think humanity will ever encounter. Uh, and, um, you know, I'm very close to a lot of people at, on Silicon Valley, and, and I know what is going on. I mean, I don't know, but I mean, I have a feeling of all the things that are happening with AI, and it is definitely, you know, threatening humanity as we know it. And uh, so, it's, uh, it's scary, but at the same time, it's incredibly exciting. And how will the hum humans re um, react to all of that, you know? And, and what will we do with all these people who will not have work, you know? And how is it going to be? We don't know. I mean, it's, I, I mean, I certainly have never felt a moment with so much uncertain future. But you have to embrace it. You have to embrace technology. And you have to say, OK, um, what am I going to do? So every industry is completely you know, upside down. And, and you, have to, you have to go as direct to the consumer as you can. I mean, look at Uber. Look at Airbnb. Yeah. I mean, all these things have completely revolutionized. Well, what about for fashion? I mean, look at Rent the Runway. Look at people can yeah. now 
who may not have been able to afford a wrap dress can rent one. I mean, how, how uh, has... Those, those girls came to see me years ago. How has all of this changed? Me. Yes, it changes everything. It changes everything. And so that's why it's right now is a moment to just say, okay, so, you know, this is what we are. Who is DVF? We have this iconic product. We have this, we have that. We have a new, great, wonderful designer. Where are we going? How do we call, speak directly to the consumer? And that's what we're going through right now. You've said data is the new currency. Data is, the, I mean, listen, if somebody who was dead 10 years ago came back, they wouldn't understand anything. What's a web? What's data? What's, you know, online? I mean, all of that is completely foreign, you know, language. Uh, everybody talks about data. Data is really knowledge, right? The Instagram economy has changed things, right? Because, you know, many people don't want to be photographed in the same in the same dress. I mean, it, it has changed everything for the fashion world. Is it an opportunity? Is everything, it a challenge? Everything, is, it's, it's both an opportunity and a challenge. And... Uh, and you just have to ride the wave. And, and if you are relevant, I mean, you are relevant if you speak to your consumer of the day. Is that why you spend time walking around the floor of your stores? Is that, is that why well, you were there when I walked in the door yesterday? I mean, really, Diane, that, that doesn't happen. Well, that doesn't happen. I mean, you know, one of the th I like, I am very interested in people. And I'm interested in, I don't like small talk. I don't like cocktail party uh, conversation where you talk to somebody and they look at somebody else. The worst. I mean, I, I rather talk to people I don't know, but, but in an intimate way. I am interested. I'm curious. Everybody's interested. Mm -hmm. And I am inspired by women. I mean, the two things that inspire me in life is nature and women. And, uh, and I find women... So interesting. You're a mom, mm -hmm. two children, four grandkids. You've talked about having great empathy for working mothers, trying to figure it all out, trying to juggle it. And you talk about feeling the tug of it yourself, um, that you were never, never the soccer mom, never able no. to attend everything. I certainly won't be able to either. And that your daughter felt at times like you weren't there enough for her. Yes, and, and my son too. I mean, I see that my son is such a devoted father and he goes to every game and he's a coach. And I realize that he is, he is very much what he felt he didn't have. Hmm. And so I told him that a few, not so long ago, a few weeks ago, and he said, no, no, don't worry. I mean, you know, everybody gives what they can give. I did the best I can. Uh, and seeing the result, I think I did well. I hate the question, can you have it all? I, 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 can't, I can't figure it out. For me, it's more a juggle. Some days I, my family I, I, wins. I think you can have it all. It's just a lot of work. But it's worth it. Mm -hmm. It's worth it. Let's talk a little bit about... Because no. I will say that I think that every woman should be a mother because to be a mother is so wonderful, whether you have your children yourself or you adopt or I think women, women should have, should have a family, should have children. But I also think that women deserve and should have an identity outside the home. It's very important for everything, including for your children. So I think that one thing you should not have is guilt. 
I think guilt is a waste of time. I'm going to write that and put that above my, mm -hmm. above my mirror, okay? Because I have guilt. No. Let's talk about your husband, Barry Diller, the love of your life, no question. You fell in love. You were 28 years old. You didn't get married until, you were, until 2001, and I read that he gave you 26 wedding bands for all the years you were not married. What has he meant? I mean, who does that? Who right? does that? But also, wait, who goes around and takes photos of all the newsstands of your magazine as yeah, well? I mean, no, that's pretty I know, incredible. I know. You know, what I, has he I, meant the, to you? A few days ago, I actually told him that. Less than a week ago, I told him that. I said, you know, I always, he, was, he was particularly helpful and kind and thoughtful and extraordinary. And I said, you know, I always tell every woman that the most important relationship in life is the one you have with yourself. But maybe one of the reasons that I say that is because I have you. I had never even thought that, you know. So, but also I will say that I don't think I will have had him had I not have a good relationship with myself. Why? Because I think that part of what he liked in me is the fact that I was not needy and that I'm strong and I think he respects that. So. I think it's still important, more important to, to make sure you have that first relationship. Because then if you have that relationship, any other relationship is a plus and not a must. You told Charlie Rose at one time that, that you took him for granted when you I were took younger. Barry for granted. Yeah, that you took Barry for granted when you were younger. You'd been together for five years, and I think you didn't realize at that time what he meant to you. No, we left. I left, and we were away. We were sep We were away from each other for ten, thirteen. I mean, but he was always there somehow. And whenever I needed, you know, comfort, he was always there. Uh, I did take it for granted, but I also think that taking someone that loves you and that you love for granted is okay. There's something that I, I think it's okay if he takes me for granted too. It's, it's, it's a balance. Take a little bit for granted means that it's normal, just like you take yourself for granted. So one year he has a birthday and apparently you don't know what to get him for he his birthday. He was 59 years old. Okay. So you don't know what to buy him. What do you buy Barry Diller? So well, I didn't know what you give him for his birthday, and so a week before, we had planned already to have an Aquarius party because he's Aquarius and my children are Aquarius. And, uh, and uh, so I said, you know, I thought, I thought, because we always thought one day we'll get married. We knew that somehow. Uh, we knew for sure that we were going to age together. And I said, maybe for your birthday, I marry you. And, and then he said, let me see if I can arrange it. And it, ha and, and it was so and arranged. And then the following Friday, we went to City Hall with the children. My brother came from Belgium, and we got married. Is it true that you never thought of yourself as beautiful when you were younger? Yes, yes. Um, I love old pictures now, though. <laughs> but really, Diane, how, how can that be? Well, I don't know. I didn't think I was a conventional beautiful. I mean, I, I know I had good legs. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I, I, I took advantage of what I had. But you didn't, you didn't, I mean, now you're just so confident. You lose well, with this confidence. Well, I, I, did you, I, I mean, did you always have that? Uh, well, was, uh, you know, I'm confident. You have to, I mean, you have, 
you have to go for it, you know. And the minute you go for it, it just feels normal. But uh, you learn that, you know, you learn that. You know, uh, my granddaughter, she, she went to Milan and, you know, and uh, to do someone's show. And, and uh, so she came back and said, so what did it feel? She said, well, I had great time. I said, what do you take back from the trip? She said, I had great time, but I also know I don't photograph well. And what I answered her, I texted her and I said, you didn't photograph well because you behaved like a model. If you behave like you, you will photograph well. And I said, when I was young, I tried to be a model and I failed miserably. So I decided not to be a model, but to be me. And then you photographed well. And then I photographed well. So what now? This is your third act. This is, you know, the, well, you have so much life ahead of you, but this is what you call your legacy. Well, so my legacy, so the first step of the legacy is really make sure that I turn the business for the future, you know, and uh, having a new creative director, uh, you know, and, and have the whole creative aspect, you know, in the hands of somebody was the first step. And now the business plan, the business model is going to have to change and be relevant for the time. And then it's using my voice, using my voice. And I love the speaking engagement. I love talking to young women. I love to be able to share my experience, my knowledge, and everything I know in order to empower women and give them confidence and give them the little tricks to push the button inside them where they, where they have their strength. Aside from your mother, who has been the woman who has had the most impact on your entire life? My daughter. My what, daughter. What's her name? Tatiana. And why? What, well, what, Tatiana what? is a remarkable human being, and, and uh, she has uh, health issues, and she is, she's been so strong and so wonderful, and she's so inspiring, and she looks at things in such an original way. She's an extraordinary storyteller, filmmaker, storyteller, I mean, and so she's is very inspiring to me and now I have my granddaughters and of course I had people like Diana Vreeland who was a mentor who helped me and, and people like that. So then final question, what do you want Tatiana to say about you one day? Oh, oh, but you know Tatiana is fully grown, I mean she's a mother of a, a child but as she, at school. But as she tells stories about her mother. I don't know, you know I could only really speak I only realized things about my mother after she was gone. Really? Because when you have a strong mother, as I had, you spend a lot of time fighting that strength, right? Or keeping distances because it's very strong and you need to have the space to be strong yourself. And then when she's no longer there, then you let go and you realize that the reason you are strong is because of her. So. Oh, my mother used to annoy me so much because she always gave advice to everybody because all my friends loved her. And, she always, and now I do the same, 10 times worse. Diane, I cannot thank you enough for your time and your candor thank and the you. laughs. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Boss Files. Don't miss our special bonus episode with Salesforce founder and CEO Mark Benioff. He gives us an update on his effort to create gender and diversity equality at the tech giants. 
How's that going? Also, if you're a fan of the show, leave us a review. Tell us what you think. And as always, you can follow me at Poppy Harlow CNN. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So, you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.